episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. So normally on Ghibli Jabber, each episode we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and through the eyes of a Ghibli newbie, which is Trevor. But today we're going to be doing something a little bit different, seeing as we've now looked at all the movies from the 80s from Ghibli, we're going to take a little bit of a step back, I think, and discuss what we think about the movies as a whole, what our general ratings and rankings for them are. Yeah, and just have a little bit perspective now that Trevor's seen them all and he can discuss the earlier movies with a little bit more context around what's to come. So why don't we just start from the very beginning? We'll start with Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. So uh, what was your first sort of thought of this when you first saw it? You gave it quite a low score. You gave it 5 out of 10. Were you a bit concerned that this wasn't going to be a, an amazing body of work or were, were you of the understanding that there was better things to come? Um, good question. So so my first thought when I saw it, I think I said this in that episode, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but it was essentially that, with that although the animation was incredibly beautiful, and very skillfully done. I just felt like this story in general was not the best. It was something that I think I've seen a million times. And so that's why I gave it a five, because it just wasn't anything special to me other than the animation. Um, But in terms of, was I nervous? Not really, because you had given me the context that the first two films we were going to review weren't necessarily a part of the actually Studio Ghibli. And so I had the context of it being... um, a piece of work on the outside and also the fact that I'd still heard from so many people who loved so many of the films and some of the people that I consider uh, that I respect in terms of their film knowledge and the, the films they do like. And so I knew that there were going to be films coming up that would be better than that movie. <laughs> how about you? What, how does it fit in? I mean, how many times have you seen it again? I've probably seen it maybe four or five times. Yeah, and I gave it a 7 out of 10, which <laughs> is the lowest um, score for me so far. And to be honest, as as you like to point out, I don't really give low scores or super high scores generally either. Mm-hmm. So a 7 out of 10 is not, not great um, in the context of this. And I'm probably not going to give... Like, there may be a couple lower ones or around that mark a bit later on. But yeah, I, I mean, th- this isn't in any way really a Studio Ghibli film. We, we sort of did this as a bit of a warm-up yeah. to get you used to Miyazaki's style. And so and also, if the first episode was really terrible, we could just, like, leave that out because it doesn't really count. But, you know, we chucked in anyway. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, when I, like, similar to what you said, if I think about this movie, the visual elements are there that um, we see later in Miyazaki's work, um, in sort of a rural form mm. but yeah the characters the themes are not there he's obviously not <clears throat> he's obviously not working from his own material Correct. and he's not he's more interested in sort of the the setting and the the genre than he is about the like that he, he doesn't really you can tell he's not super passionate about these characters or making sure that they feel like super nuanced and real because he's working off characters that have existed long before so yeah, so the 7 out of 10 is basically all for the animation. And it's it's a fun kind of adventure, yeah. you know, action movie. Yeah, it's nothing spectacular. But, I'll never watch um, it again. It does some fun. But it was okay to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll never watch it again. But yeah, I wasn't mad that I watched it. If I was mad, I would have given it like a 2 or a 3. Well, you're wrong, because once we get to the end of these, we're doing them all <laughs> over again. We're going to call it Ghibli Jabber 2.0, the next generation. Um, yeah, and obviously the other thing to point out is that 
the score we gave um, for the Miyazaki criteria, we both gave it a three out of 10. So it's clearly not Mm -hmm. a very Miyazaki movie. Why don't we go into the first Miyazaki-ish movie, which is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. So you obviously had quite a good impression of this hat. Did you feel like, oh, thank goodness, there are going to be some good movies coming up when you saw it? Oh. Did you feel vind- vindicated for doing this podcast? Oh, yeah. Like, that one was, I mean, yeah, I gave it, like you said, I gave it a really high score. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, and it still holds up like that to me. I mean, you we're going to go through the rest of the rankings, but that's my second highest I have on this list. And it's still, yeah, it holds up for me. And that's a movie that I would definitely watch again and a movie that I do want to show a couple of my friends. And so it got me excited that there were things a little bit more in my my uh my to my liking i guess i would say so what are those things what what drew you to this movie what made you go oh wow this is a great piece of work really complex characters so they weren't these very flat characters which i felt like lupin was um we had even even a lot of the side characters in in this movie were incredibly complex and there was a lot of like foil characters i'm just the type of person that i look at whether it be films books or art in general i'm all about character first plot second and then go down the line uh aerosol's poetics and the last thing for me is sensationalism or spectacle and so but it had that had everything and so it was it was firing on all cylinders for me yeah i feel like this is where um miyazaki really sort of establishes that miyazaki brand i mean for the Miyazaki criteria um you gave it nine out of ten and Mm -hmm. I gave it eight out of ten which is which are some of the highest scores um under that criteria it's a very Miyazaki movie the themes that um he enjoys playing with and the sort of worlds that he likes to build are, are very much first sort of coming to form in this movie you know strong female protagonist strong environmental themes and strong um like lots of flying machines and like that that love of flight and all those weird sort of creations that he likes to um, put into his movies that's all very much established here my my thinking of this and I and again I said in the episode is I find it a little bit too serious and I find it a little bit too long and muddled story-wise but I do enjoy the plot and I I love Nausicaa as a character and I think the animation still holds up really well so it's still it's probably in my, I, I gave it an eight mm-hmm. out of 10. So it's in my top half, I'd say. But um, yeah, towards the bottom of the top half, probably just because I tend to enjoy the ones that are a little bit more fun and colorful and not spectacle or, and you know, you say spectacle and sensationalism. It's more the, the escapism, I mm-hmm. suppose, is what I'm looking for. Something that you couldn't, the reason why we're watching, you know, something that you can do in the animated medium that you couldn't do easily on film that's what i like to see in animation those textures as well as those fantastical creations that don't feel so bizarre in this format that's that's what i love about animation and that's what i love about a lot of studio ghibli's work and if we move on to lapita castle in the sky that's why i love this movie because it's just such an escapist film you know it's not like crazy fast paced but it barrels from sort of one fun area one fun set piece after another introduces a lot of interesting fun characters and it has like beautiful payoff at the end um once they get to Laputa I loved it you were a little bit lower on this I think you enjoyed it but you found it a little bit less serious or less um substantial than Nausicaa I guess I got to the point where I'm like 
we had just watched three movies that had princesses in them. I'm just was like, I'm getting sick of this. Like, that's where I started getting worried. I'm like, is every movie going to be about a freaking princess that has to go and do something or is being chased by people? So I just didn't find as it as effective as Nausicaa in terms of that kind of trope. She didn't come off as, uh, as much of a strong character to me as Nausicaa. So, but I, again, I think that, I think that if I had watched that movie at a different time and not in that particular order, I think I would have liked it more. It was the fact that it was princess, princess, princess. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah. And ironically, there was, there wouldn't be another princess really for 10 years after. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Anyway, let's move on to a movie with zero princesses. <laughs> Totoro, my neighbor Totoro. So this is one that you'd probably, this was maybe the first film uh, this is just my assumption that you've maybe heard a lot about mm-hmm. that you sort of you probably know people who maybe have talked about it or you maybe are aware of that creature that's in the um, opening credits for all these movies um, that logo as Totoro you may have a bit of a sense of what Totoro looks like how did this exceed underwhelm meet those expectations and how is it different from what you were imagining this movie to be oh yeah that was that was probably one of my more fun ones to watch that for that exact reason that you just said it's because that was the one when I told my friends I was going to do this type of podcast with you. All my friends were like, oh, I love Totoro. Like, I love that movie. I watched that movie when I was younger, blah, 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 blah. And so that's the one that I've heard of the most. I think there are a couple of other ones, and we've kind of talked about that on here, uh, like Spirited Away and things like that. But I think that I've I've looked into more myself, just out of curiosity in terms of like the film sphere. But this was the one that I had a good chunk of my friends who had already seen it. Uh, and it was so different from what I expected it to be. Like, I thought that this one was going to be highly fantastical and more like Laputa, but it was very, it wasn't that. I think I told you I watched it twice before we did the podcast because mm. I it ended and I just was like, oh, it, and it wasn't that it was bad that I ended it and I was like, oh, that was it. It was more along the lines of like, it was so concise and so well done that I wasn't looking at the time and it just went through. And I, I was expecting more, but not in a bad way. I think sometimes that comes off bad, but anywho. And I, yeah, it just was very different from what I expected it to be, but I found it to be um, very grounded in, as, as much as it was fantastical in terms of, I think, I mean, I don't want to retread the same stuff we talked about in the episode, but I found it to be pretty grounded in very realistic, universal human truths. And I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we gave this the same score, mm-hmm. eight, yeah. I've, I've always enjoyed this movie, but it's not necessarily overrated by virtue of people saying the movie is better than it is. I, in my head, it's overrated because Totoro is such a popular character, and this movie is such a well-known movie within the Ghibli-verse. And I, and when I, whenever I watch it, I always feel like, oh, there are beautiful moments. I You know, the animation, of course, is always beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really nice things that are being discussed it takes his characters very seriously while also having a bit of fun but you know as we you know it it gets to 80 minutes and that's the end of the movie it's and not a lot really happens within it either like i said i think i've overused the word slight a lot but the the narrative from a narrative perspective there's not a lot of action and by action i don't mean action like set pieces i just mean you know we're just kind of chilling with them for an hour and then there's like the conflict is May is missing, yeah. and then then that's solved because she was just walking around somewhere, thanks to a fantasy cat bus. Not really sure what's really happening there. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy this movie, and it's it's a really sweet movie to just sort of 
have on and sort of live in this sort of simpler world with you know just these two cute kids out in the um out in the country just having fun having some adventures having some sad times it's a nice movie but i don't i maybe don't love it as much as some people speaking of a a movie that you didn't love as much as some people kiki's delivery service (laughs) um question one why are you a monster (laughs) question two why do you hate life (laughs) i know i think i got I think I got a lot of flack from some of my friends, even when they, of the friends that had seen that movie. And they, I think that one of my friends put it very, very perfectly and it it resonated with me. One of my friends was like, I think you didn't like it as much because you didn't watch it when you were younger. And I think that that's the truth. Mm. Like, I think that had I watched that movie when I was, I don't know, a teenager or a young adolescent, I think I would have liked it a lot more. I just think that after coming back from Totoro and like Nausicaa, a couple of these films where I felt had like pretty, pretty outstanding um, things to say about conflict and life and uh, things of that nature. I just felt like Kiki kind of fell flat and it just wasn't as, it just wasn't as exciting for me, but I'm going to continue to get flack for that one. I'm certain. Well, I mean, and you also watch this after grave. I've just put grave yeah, in Firefly right. because it's um, out of, out of you're right. Miyazaki <laughs> yeah. I went from grave well, to that. And I like think- grave was, my favorite one on this list. And I went to that and I was just like, meh. Yeah, which I totally understand. Especially because you're watching this in such quick succession mm-hmm. as opposed to over year. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, I suppose I didn't watch it over years either. But that's a, what your friend said is a very good point. Yeah. And I've been, I've been thinking on this. You're coming from, you're coming at these movies from a very different place that I am. Correct. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing new things when I watch these movies, but I'm also still in a similar mind frame as to how I watched it, how I took it in the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, you're seeing all these new things, and I'm like, oh, I never thought about that, because as a 14 or 15-year-old, I never saw it that way, and I'm not, I don't watch, I don't really interrogate these movies intellectually so much when I watch them That's again. That's why this I'm, is fun. When I'm watching them again. Yeah, exactly. So when I'm watching them again now for the podcast, I'm sort of maybe looking at you know, which scenes I like, like what <laughs> scenes are really beautiful, what are some good lines, what are some good shots, but I'm not like, what does Totoro represent for these two children, you know, because that's not what I was looking at when I first saw this movie as a, you know, 14-year-old. So yeah, I, I, I enjoy that you bring that perspective to it, but yeah, you're also maybe missing some of the totally. fun that you would have had if you watched this as a younger child of just being enveloped in these beautiful worlds without going, eh, but, you know, what is her struggle, really, <laughs> you know, in this game of things? I'm a disenchanted adult. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> a little bit. I don't bit. have an imagination. You lost the it's love. True, I lost it. <laughs> well, that's another podcast where we, we go through your issues. Okay, so that's all the Miyazaki ones done. Let's let's move to Grave to, to finish off. You obviously loved this movie. Oh. Um, this is a little bit more why is this more in your wheelhouse than any of the other ones that came before this one i mean we've said this a million times but i'm gonna say it one last time you like things that are a little bit more like you said escapism um i don't look for that in film necessarily i want to i want to be challenged i want to think about things that i maybe necessarily haven't given a lot of thought and this was one of them i'm not a big war movie person i never have been there are a lot of pivotal war films i just have never seen because it's not a type of film that I typically gravitate to, but this one was so challenging for me to take a thought that yes, of course I thought like a history class or something like that, you know, war is bad, but it took it so much further and it showed the effect that it has on, on every one's every day to day life. And I found it incredibly profound and beautiful. 
I would watch this movie again, maybe not for fun. It would definitely have to be like <laughs> a moment to like show somebody else or something. But I just think this is one of the strongest films in the, that we've seen so far. You're not going to have like a viewing party with all your friends on a Saturday night. It's like, come on guys. <laughs> Let's watch Grave of the Fire. Bring this soda. Actually, I'm that type of person. I totally would do that. And then everyone would be like, what are we watching? <laughs> I have a and question. And you like, lock the door and it's like, you're in this. You're going. Oh, I guess you, you give it your thoughts on Grave first. Because then I want... Uh, oh, I have a question of like, would you change any of your any of your your ratings? Anywho, but continue. Uh, yeah, I, we we can get to that because I don't really have a lot more to say about Grave, except that I think it's a, like I said, great movie w- that I don't watch that often. Again, also don't really like the war genre. Um, and I don't. It's your second best rated on this list. It is no, it's a great movie, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. It's just not a fun movie and it's not a movie that um, I come back to very often. And it's not a world that I, it's not a world I enjoy living in, which is the opposite of all the other movies. Basically speaking of sort of mea culpas or anything I would change. I I looked, I I watched the last scene of Laputa again or the end of the scene. Cause I thought I maybe had underrated on the love criteria. I I thought maybe she explicitly talks about how love is important, but she doesn't. So I'm just going to keep it at one. I I thought maybe I might have a mea culpa there, Mm -hmm. but no, I wouldn't change these ratings. I mean, these ratings are probably ratings I would have given it years ago as well. Like, not a lot has changed. I maybe gave Grave an extra 0.5 mm-hmm. just by virtue of well, when I was watching it, just knowing that, yes, this is an amazing movie that doesn't come along very often. Mm-hmm. This sort of very serious take on war from, you know, in, in not even just an animated form, in any in any sort totally. of form. That's good. I think been, the animation yeah. elevates it because the animation elevates it because it puts it in, it makes it seem almost otherworldly, this experience that is happening while also um, grounding it in a very real place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just makes it seem a little bit more, I don't know, transcendental without it feeling cloying that at no point is it like oh young girl dying at war oh god this is like there's no sensationalism here really she dies and she's dead like there's not yeah. like him weeping over her body for two minutes you know it's, it's very matter of fact and i that's what i appreciate about it how about you are there any way you look back and it's like oh having now i mean this would probably be more for you because yeah. you you hadn't seen this in the context of what's to come you might now think that Lupin's a 10 out of 10 movie. Um, <laughs> Funny that you bring up Lupin. I literally was going to be like, I want to, I would notch it down to a four. Like <laughs> it's not a five movie to me. It's a four movie. Now I would change that one. I don't think that I would change any of the other ones though. Yeah. But I would not, I would not. Lupin okay. Down. So, okay. So in that case, what is your final ranking of all of these movies so far? If you can, if you can think about, well, not think about that, if you can, in your head, see that rake, ra- ranking based on the scores you've given it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your number one? You, you started with Grave. Yeah, Grave yes. Firefly, then it would be Nasica, then it would be Totoro, and then Lapita, Kiki, and then Lupin. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, so mine so far has been Laputa. I gave Nausicaa and Totoro and Kiki eights. Yeah, because you don't use the full scale. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> but it's probably, Nausicaa is definitely the top there. And then maybe I'd go Kiki Totoro. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. Grave of the Fireflies is before Nausicaa. Yeah, so it goes Laputa, Grave of the Fireflies, Nausicaa, Kiki's Delivery Service, My Neighbor Totoro, and then Lupin is the only one that's sort of sitting below that yeah. eight, that high eight. The only other thing I'd point out, just thinking of the criteria that we um, rate them by you. We both gave um, Nausicaa as the highest score for reaching 
that criteria. Yeah. I think the only one I gave Kiki pretty high for reaching that criteria as well. Yeah. Well, and you can see that Lupin definitely stands apart. Lupin was the only one that we didn't yeah. give two out of two for um strong female character. We gave it a zero. Oh yeah. And yeah, that got three out of three. The the second lowest that I mean I gave Totoro five out of ten for being a Miyazaki film and you gave Kiki six out of ten. So everything else is a lot more of a typical Miyazaki movie than Lupin, which just clearly stands so far apart. Mm-hmm. Are there any final notes you want to say on this wrap up? No, but how this would 80s, you seventies wrap up? Well, how would you do you do you think there's a theme for this decade, or do you think you take something from this body of work in terms of that decade? No, because there are things that pop up in these movies that we see sort of replicated and maybe deepened in future movies. Okay. So it's not like, oh, this is the era of princesses and adventures <laughs> and then the next decade is all sort of serious films set in the future or something or in the present. Um, I think there's a lot more. Obviously, we've, we've watched five Miyazaki movies and one Takahata movie. I mean, you love the Takahata movie most, so I'm more most excited to see how you take his future films because there's a lot more to come there. And then I'm also excited to see how there are about four or five other directors who will pop up to do one or two movies. And I'm excited to see how you think they fit in or whether you think Miyazaki is sort of the master of the Ghibli form and the other ones are just sort of doing their best. Exciting. So that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm excited to see. And I guess we'll see it soon. We're going to be discussing um, Is That Like a Hard Second Movie only yesterday next. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that for sure. See you then. See ya.